Hey all, before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to take the opportunity to send out heaps of love to the whole Hottest 100s and Thousands community, because shit's weird. It's just weird. And however you're feeling about that is totally fine to feel, and whatever you're doing is uh, a totally great choice. Go you. But if you are looking to connect with a few other people, we've set up a Discord server expressly for that purpose. If you don't know Discord, it's a really great program where you can basically get on and chat about anything you want, share pictures, share songs. As you can understand, there's been a lot of music chat going on on there, a lot of chat about the podcast. They've had some listening parties for new episodes they've, as they've been released. And then at lunchtime, we've just kind of been getting on and having a bit of a voice chat as well about whatever kind of comes to mind. It's just been a really great space for fans of the podcast and us to kind of get together and to hang out. And if it sounds like something that you'd like to do, well, probably the easiest way to get on board with that is to find us on whichever flavor of social media you prefer, uh, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and look for the link to the Discord there. You may have to download a program and set a few things up there, but it's easy. And if you got any problems with us, hit us up. We'll, uh, we'll help you out with it. It'd be great to see you on there. It'd be great to hang out. And all right, let's talk about some music. Cool, and I'm going to start recording now, just in case Nathan says something else about bees. And then if he says something else about bees, then I got it on tape. No repeat bits, Adam. <laughs> uh, I said something else about bees. You're not going to say the waggle dance thing again, because we did that. We did that shit. You tell me the bees don't have any more facts? You expect me to believe that? What about other insects? What about slugs? <laughs> <laughs> Fools, and it's on once again for young and old. We are hottest 100s and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Adam Buncher. Yeah. Nathan Harrison. Hi. Andrew McDonald. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're fucking sad and that, and are you sad in that? Well, like sometimes. <laughs> no, but I'd write. Is that why you were lacking in energy then? Like, well, look, energy's a whole other thing. You've mm. got things to do, places to be, and that. It's, it's true. You've had a big day. That's what you're saying. Always having big days, man. So many hours in them. So <laughs> many. Count them if you wanted to. <laughs> One, three hundred seventy fucking six hundred minutes, or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> Putting in the fuck in there yeah. is really funny. Just me in the production of Rent, Rent. trying to remember specific how many minutes. <laughs> what about fuck? Uh, that was a major part of the musical. What about fuck? Uh, oh, like, no. Yeah. oh no! Oh yeah. no! Oh boy! Rent, 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 rent. I love it. Like one of my favorite things about musicals yes. is you you go and see them, and it's the opening number. And in every opening number of every musical, you know damn well what the name of the musical is, by the way, <laughs> yeah. before you, you get there. You, yeah. you, like, you, you are aware of what the show is that you're seeing, and yet the opening number will still the overture, say the like, name of yeah. the show. It's time for you to see... Twenty Todd, the barber on Fleet Street, the musical! <laughs> 2020! One day I'll be legally blind! <laughs> Hamilton, 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 Hamilton. <laughs> well, this is the room where it happens, and it is going to keep on happening right now. At number 55, this is REM with The Great Beyond. Hottest one hundreds and thousands. Hottest one hundreds and thousands. I've watched the stars fall silent from your eyes. All the sights that I have seen. I can't. Never 
3M making their return to the Hot 100, coming in at number 55 in the countdown. Uh, that is The Great Beyond. Uh, that is a single taken from the soundtrack to the film Man on the Moon. Funnily enough, a movie which took its title from an R.E.M. song. So coming very, very full circle there. Of course, Man on the Moon depicting the late, great Andy Kaufman, starring Mr. Jim Carrey uh, and previous entrant Courtney Love. In the uh, liner notes for In Time, the best of R.E.M. from 1988 to 2003, Peter Buck talks about the challenge of coming at the life of Andy Kaufman from a different angle because they'd literally already written Man on the Moon. Mm. When they were approached for it, they wanted to come at it from a unique angle and that's what they do here. They kind of play with the surrealism of, of Andy Kaufman. They talk about the elements of his work that are at once joyous and confusing and confronting and just everything that goes into what his life and his career was like. But like, even if you don't know that, I came to this song as a kid. I didn't see Man on the Moon as a kid, obviously. And I didn't know about Andy Kaufman as a kid, obviously. So I'm just coming to this as a new song from the band R.E.M. that I like because I've heard Shiny Happy People and Orange Crush and Everybody Hurts and stuff like that. So I have no idea what any of these words actually mean. It's complete nonsense Goddamn to me. Goddamn elephant, what? <laughs> a bird? Is this Sigaross? <laughs> I, I feel like this is a song that works on both of those levels. I feel like you can just appreciate this as a really, really beautiful pop song, whether it's the the strummed acoustic guitar or Mike and Michael's harmonies or just the hookiness of it or just the little percussive elements that come in and out and stuff like that or the little like whirring synth lines that are really, really nice. But yeah, if you know exactly what this song's about, who this song's about, the context in which it was written and all of that stuff, you can really, really dive in and really get a lot out of this song. This isn't on any of R.E.M.'s albums. Like, it's one of their few, like, proper standalone singles. And I also mean that not only in a, in a literal sense, but also in the sense that this is a standalone song in R.E.M.'s history. It doesn't sound like anything on ARP. It doesn't sound like anything on the next album, which was Reveal. It's just a very separate entity in the career of R.E.M. And I love coming back to it because like it just fascinates me from a songwriting perspective. Like it's just a really complex and beautiful, but also just super, super catchy and enjoyable song. I know all of you guys have various relations with R.E.M. It's been pretty well documented that they are, they are my favorite band. Funny story. When I was in Canberra for a show, Pretty recently, uh, about a month or so ago, someone I didn't know came up to me as we were leaving the show and was like, hey man, this is going to sound weird, but are you the guy from Hottest 100s and Thousands? And I'm like, no. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You'll never catch me alive. (laughs) No way. Get fucked. Fuck off. But I was like... Yeah, how do you know that? And he's like, well, two reasons. My name is Michael Stone. (laughs) (laughs) And then I shook it, yeah. So the dude was just like, well, I put two and two together because I recognised your voice and I realised you were wearing an REM shirt. And I'm like, oh, David's the one that always goes on about REM, so it must be him. And I'm like... That's insane, but thank you for listening. Five stars. Five stars. Michael Stipe being like, I have a correction. You're actually meant to pronounce the dots in REM. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you could start uh, doing e- that. Uh, M- <laughs> Just, yeah, uh, that's how it's done. E- uh, Can we circle back briefly? Yeah. Andy Kaufman. Oh, well. Adam, why not just check out the episode in season one of this podcast where we talked about Man on the Moon? And I'm sure we talked about Andy Kaufman then. We, we must have done. Did we? We? Couldn't, we couldn't not talk about Man on the Moon. And, didn't we? Well... I mean, that's a great suggestion, Nathan, and I thank you very much for making it. But in the here and now, I'm just dang curious to know right now. Because I, the Wikipedia entry for Andy Kaufman or whatever is obviously where I went and started. And I feel like something gets missed there because he's clearly this really big and very important figure because his legend and whatever is kind of precedes him so, so much. R.E.M. wrote two songs about him. Well, like, <laughs> two very good friends? songs. Were friends? Were Michael and he... I think they were just fans yeah, of him. Yeah. But, yeah. but this, this is what I kind of want to know. It's like, what is it about Andy Kaufman? Like, he changed with the idea of what comedy could be. Like, anything 
that's older, it ages in a particular way. And comedy and horror are the two genres of performance that age the worse um, because they both re- react to the societal norms in which they're in kind of thing. And so uh, some of Andy Kaufman stuff now might not seem outrageously funny, but in the context of what it is, like the, there's a quote from some other comedian that said, Kaufman changed what comedy could be like. He showed the world that comedy could be more than that joke. Like, um, take my wife, please. Yeah. Like, right. It was an he great did, joke. Yeah. So, we all love that yeah. joke. Who's on first? Yeah. Great joke. So it's like expanding it to more of a meta level Absolutely. is like kind he, of the, the, the vibe that I kind of get. His stuff is very funny for people who are in on the idea of what Andy Kaufman is. He has this, he has this one terrific routine where he was performing on as, as a guest comedian on a sta- on a show. And he was like, Getting the audience, he's like, "All right, what I want you to do is to get some cling wrap and put it over your television screen and draw like on this area here, and like have some white lines appear. Get a black marker and draw stairs." And then he's like, "And then I'll walk up the stairs, kind of thing." But he was doing that against a plain black background, and he instructed the viewers to use black texture. So like the joke was absolutely at the expense of the viewer, who's like, "Oh, I'm going to see him walk up the stairs that I drew." But it was black on black. When he was at his best, he's the, he made the kind of jokes that I love, where it's you write it because you think it's funny. You, you're the one enjoying it the most. Yeah. And that's he he just changed. What I know the a idea. podcast like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. So he just like was a, a really unique figure. It might not seem that bizarre now, particularly if you're a contemporary comedy appreciator kind of thing, and you know the comedy of people like say Tim and Eric. Or like Nathan mm. Fielder, yeah. And, but like Neil their, Hamburger, Neil Hamburger, like, their sure. comedy is absolutely indebted to Kaufman. So it, it, well, this this strikes a chord with me because it's kind of like as a theatre student when you first learn about Bertolt Brecht. It's exactly like that, right? Because like Bertolt Brecht is regarded as this incredibly influential theatre maker because he was the first person to really like break down the fourth wall and acknowledge the audience. But like that's really hard to get when you first study him because those techniques are I so just, intrinsically apart of what theater is now and what performance yeah, yeah. is now and what and what media is now like we're all we all have that vocabulary in terms of watching it and understanding it yeah. so the idea that it had to be invented by someone is a hard one yeah. to kind of get your head around. Well, the, so it makes sense to me. The TV trope name for this is called Seinfeld isn't funny. I was just about I was about thinking about that one. Yeah, yeah. which is and that's basically like explaining that Seinfeld. If you didn't watch Seinfeld at the time, its influence on the entire sitcom genre has become so prevalent that if you do go back, you're like, I don't get the appeal. Every so every sitcom does this kind of chattiness kind of thing, but no one did it when Seinfeld was doing it. Even though I do think the show holds up all right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, so this song, though, yeah, um, I hadn't heard this song before, and I maybe I did well, because I have seen yeah. Man I, on the I'm, Moon. I'm, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. I, I've gotten too much shit for overreacting <laughs> in the past, but like, you having a time right dude! now, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I knew the song not super well, but like I knew it enough. I mm. probably heard it because I've seen Man on the Moon. Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, so I remember this song from being a kid. And I oh, didn't what have the fuck. Am I the idiot? No, okay. no, 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 no. I, I just I think it's entire like when you're ten years old, it's just kind of like it's luck. What songs you hear and what songs you get into is I think entirely luck based in general because I don't think music has like happened for the grand majority of people in any kind of significant way. When you are ten years old, David has a superhero origin story mm. where he was born into this destiny, and so obviously is different. He was Bane. You're Bane. I was born <laughs> into the music. Yeah, 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 quite literally. This happened to be one of the ones that kind of stuck for me at that age. I remember hearing it when I was younger, and again, like I was a kid who was all wrapped up in my imagination. I spent very little time in the real world when I was young, well, yeah, um, and so this song captured yeah. me. And I think like what I was picking up on is just like how this song really being called the great beyond and, and referencing Andy Kaufman or whatever is just kind of pointing to these ideas of the unknowable, the uneffable and whatever and how yeah, that, yeah, yeah. how art really can be the thing, whether it be Andy Kaufman's art or this song that points towards those things and allows us to, to think about them. And I think the joke of it all is that that thinking ultimately comes to nothing, but it's, but it's the journey of thinking and, and allowing your mind to go to those places that is the magic of it. It's like, yeah, sure, like, it's all a ruse. It's all a game. There's nothing really behind it, these large, grand philosophical ideas that we come up with. But thinking about them is the value in itself. I think that's what's really 
in this song. They've said that it's about the idea of attempting the impossible. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is where lines like I'm pushing an elephant exactly. up the stairs come from. Exactly. All these all yeah. these metaphors that are really kind of like yeah. trying to put that there. That's again something they get into in the liner notes of um, part lies, part heart, part truth, part garbage. Yeah. Like they kind of get into the analytics of like some of the key points of like the lyrics and stuff like that. It's especially interesting because Michael Stipe for a very long time refused to have lyrics printed in REM albums. Mm. Like he was very Oh, yeah, huh. which is really interesting because, like, especially those early few REM records. I don't know if you've any heard much '80s REM, but a lot of it sounds like this. And you're sitting there going, "What?" Well, I think that's probably by design, though. Yeah, like, he, yeah, he yeah, yeah. In the same way that, um, like, I know the Cocteau Twins actually sing in gibberish for a fair amount, but yeah. like the Cocteau Twins also don't print their lyrics and say, Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so it wasn't, it wasn't until same. Up. Great film. <laughs> Cry it's every a, time. It's okay. <laughs> you fucking monster. It's, it's real um, uh, King Crimson syndrome. The start's perfect. Yeah. Then the talking dog's dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry, Doug. What his name? <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. All right, all right, the 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 build up was good for the payoff. Yeah, yeah. Far um, out. It's interesting to like have uh, Michael like on record talking about his lyrics a bit more because yeah, for a long time, yeah, there wasn't much open access to his lyrics, and you know you couldn't really comb over what he was saying. So yeah, this this uh, compilation uh, part lies. This came out uh, at the tail end of their career. So it was 2011. They just announced they were splitting up. They put out their final album, Collapse Into Now, and yeah, so they'd put out this this thing uh, alongside with it. And so there were liner notes from each of the bands talking about it, uh, like a bunch of the songs in particular. And so this was the first. First time for a lot of these songs that that Michael had had really really kind of opened up and so purely from a fan perspective like I love that package and I love that compilation because I love just going through and like seeing them talk about it on uh, in time it was only Peter um, the band's guitarist Peter Bach that was doing the liner notes and like talking about each song so he's coming at it from a very musical perspective like you know he talks about playing banjo and he talks about playing mandolin obviously on losing my religion and stuff like that but on this, it's it's all three of them, so you get insight to everything. And like, as a as like a diehard REM fan, like that's good gear. You know what I mean? How thick was the liner notes? Jeez, like, uh, oh, small print. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> really small. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I think like I think like the the use of those other kind of instruments in here to create that kind of the aesthetic of mysticism. Mm, is really yeah. kind of cool. And there's a lot as well because like Andy Kaufman got lung cancer and died quite young. He was 35 and it was yeah, very surprising to everyone around because he didn't smoke or do anything like that. And so, you know, I think it caught him and, and his social circle off guard. But he tried a lot of traditional medicine and, and all sorts of things. Yeah, and then, quote unquote alternative medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's that line in the song where it's like, I, I can't believe I believed or whatever, which yeah. is potentially a bit of a... You know, Ugh. and there's a scene in um, Men on the Moon where he kind of realizes realizes that all these things he's doing is just like mm. bunk or whatever, which is very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And th- th- there was a long-standing kind of conspiracy kind of thing that he had faked his death because yeah. he had joked about doing that for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What strikes me the most about this song that is most affecting to me is it's super based that <laughs> R.E.M. wrote one song about Andy Kaufman yeah. and the makers of this film or whoever teed it up. Actually, sidebar, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but there are like backing vocals in the final chorus where they lift lines from, from Man, Man on, on the, the Moon, Moon, like the the song Man on the Moon, and they use them as backing vocals. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. Well, so it's like deeply tied into the film, which is named after one of their songs, and they've been asked to do another song about this person and whatever. Yeah. That's really cool in itself. They've actually described the process as being um, a bit of a stab at their ashes to ashes in the same way that David Bowie revisited one of his most famous characters mm. in song. Mm. They kind of did the same thing. But That's cool. It just shows so much love for me, for this person, that they were able to look at his work and his life and to extrapolate these grand themes or these metaphors out of it mm. and to get two songs worth of material there. Yeah. Like, to witness, to witness. I hope my life is worth at least two songs. <laughs> the love that that displays is just yeah. really fucking touching. Mm. Yeah. It's cool. 
connecting this back to Man on the Moon again, there are a lot of musical uh, key points that make it a spiritual successor as well. So although uh, Man on the Moon is is in the key of G, uh, the verses are in, they go from C major to D major. And the uh, melody for the most part uh, in the verses is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And so they repeat that melody uh, in bits of the verses of The Great Beyond, which is also going from C major to D major. Mm. It, it follows almost the exact same melody and cadence, etc. Seeing those similarities and seeing the way that they kind of bridge the gap between those two songs, not only lyrically, but also musically, is so, so, so cool. This is just absolutely beautiful. Michael is just an untouchably wonderful lyricist and a great singer and Mm. the band know exactly how to do that kind of soft quasi-acoustic college radio rock sound so well i understand why this wouldn't be on an album because they wrote it just for just for this particular project but like it feels like it's like man this is what they're making for not their own records and it's this good that they're just terrific songwriters and they just write terrific songs so of course it's a terrific song absolutely i knew the song but probably not like that well but i just like this last week I've listened to it so much and just I really feel like I had a very strong reaction to it just in terms of like based on Andy Kaufman or whatever but it's a song about like sort of moving absurdly through a world that is absurd and not in like a flippant way but just in a like in a Camus way in a Camus way exactly and and in a way that like the the goals are unattainable and unreachable or whatever but but it's absolutely worth striving for the impossible you you have to yeah exactly you have to to do it and you have to like push you have to push an elephant up the stairs or whatever but there's a beauty in in that struggle or whatever there's something quite comforting I think about that song right now especially with everything that's happening and not just like you know in the last month or two but like it feels like a good song for where everything's at. Certainly where I'm at mm. um, at the moment. And yeah, yeah I've, I've found a lot of like comfort and strength in the song. The video for it is also very good as well. Oh, and, yeah. Um, like yeah. you see like screens and televisions of REM performing for um, like a studio audience kind of thing like that. Like they're, they're given their cue and then like Michael starts really performing kind of thing. And then they realize that they're on screens and they're trying to punch the screen and break their way through kind of thing in a fourth wall breaky thing. Of course, Kaufman-esque. Like it's yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very just like that. They have, they have a lot of fun in the video and it's just another way that they clearly admired Kaufman himself. It's, just, hmm. it's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a song that's indebted with hope that like, accepts a kind of melancholy in its ness. Yeah. I yeah. Know. It's very lovely. It's, yeah. a, it's a zoom out, right? Yeah. It's when, it's when you realize you're playing the game yeah. and then you go like, oh, it's a game. Mm. It's a game. It's, it's a ride. Yeah. It's a game. And gamers for life. <laughs> oh, God. Gamers rise up, baby. <laughs> rise up. Sit down. At number 54, this is Blink-182 with Man Overboard. Coming in. Oh, sorry, I'm out of breath because I was just air drumming. To That's that. why you're so sweaty. <laughs> I was watching cops. Uh, Blink 182 coming in at number 54 in the 2000 Hottest 100. Uh, that is a song called Man Overboard. You can find it at the end of their much loved and acclaimed live album, The Mark, Tom, and Travis Show. The enema strikes back. Fucking right. <laughs> Am I funny or what? <laughs> Legit one of my all-time favourite live albums. They made one new studio recording for it, and this was it. Kind of a weird move. I don't think I've ever heard of that happening in any other occasion. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's a strange one. Promoting a live album, and you release a new recorded song I feel like I've I've heard of bands 
uh, debuting songs on a live album. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah tons yeah. of but bands, Are they yeah. live versions? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. See, this is. I don't know. It seems. Yeah, seems usually, really usually, it feels yeah. very bonus track, like a yeah, Japanese yeah, yeah. bonus yeah. track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it feels very label mandated. Hey guys, this will this will be a single, and people will see. Oh, a new Blink One Eight Two song. I love Blink One Eight Two, and this is from their new album. I'll Yo, I will buy get that. It. Hey, and we you... all did. Okay, fair enough. Five of us bought it, and then the rest <laughs> of us burnt it. Because... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it and was one dollar was... for the CD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good times. Hey, man, could you just like when you get a chance, give me that dollar for that CD? <laughs> oh, I need it to buy Pokemon cards. <laughs> oh, oh man. too real. Uh, now, or as Caraba we... buds. Oh, eucalyptus mm, drops. Love chicken it. and corn roll. Chicken uh, in the car. Chicken rounder. Oh, the, pizza rounder. There we go. Rounder. We got some good shit. Mm. Oh, Is there man. any other rounders? Or they just not the, that I can think of. Cricket all rounder. <laughs> can you? Spin bowl sport head. No, really. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Is it sport if you're just pegging rounders at people? I don't know. In the in the playground, <laughs> it sounds like Calvin ball. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> In uh, last week's episode, we revealed that we assign songs to various people, and wouldn't you know it, uh, Blink-182, Man Overboard, is Adam's song. Hey. Hey, thank you and good night! Within the first 20 seconds of this song, it's immediately clear this is one of the best Blink-182 songs that exists. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. this is such a good song! Yeah. This is <laughs> such a good song. It's way more... Not just mature in the lyrics, but mature in how they composed it. The baseline obviously rules. Everything I, about pl- I song- mean, like everyone's triggered by that baseline because they definitely heard someone playing it very badly in high school. <laughs> yeah, either that or motherfucking carousel. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's like it's like if you're a, if you're a dude with an acoustic guitar, you are immensely triggered by Taylor by Jack Johnson. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, and if you if you are around anyone who played bass, then that was it. it. Yeah, big time. But everything about this is way more composed and aware of their abilities in any other Blink-182 song, mm-hmm. at least up until the self-titled record. It's very yeah. like, oh, wait, are, are they trying now? Yeah. Or? It's like everything great that Blink does is turned up to a 10 mm. on this track. The melodies, I'm talking both musically and vocally, they are really leaning into their particular kind of melodies, which really suit their voice, that kind of drawn-out long semi-whiny kind of thing but it just works so very very well for what they're doing here yeah the, the they, harmonies and they know the strength yeah. they're both different voices they know mm. when yep. to use each one yeah a hundred percent like even just like in the in the very beginnings like the there's so much more kind of line and the, and the way that that's kind of delivered with so much behind yeah, it and, and, wanna, and as you say like a, a really mature take this um say what it's about yeah definitely so this was about losing a friend through alcohol abuse like not them passing away, but like yeah. the relationship just becoming untenable because you can't operate uh, with them due to their abuse. And many people, it's not officially it's, confirmed, but yeah. it's pretty much... Yeah, it's pretty much canon. Very, yeah, uh, that it was about their previous drummer, Scott Rayner, who we we did talk about this last time we talked about Blink-182 because um, he was, he, it was he, very he, much a part of Travis coming on board because Scott... He was he was getting a bit restless in the band. He wasn't happy about them signing to a major label. He was talking about wanting to go back to school. And then there was, of course, you know, like the the alcohol abuse that was making it very hard to operate with him inside the band, both performatively and then just, you know, everything else you need to get done yeah. as a band. And, and did we talk about the ankles last time? Because he like broke both his ankles when he was drunk and they had to record the previous album with him on crutches, which is wow. not an ideal situation for a drummer to be in. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. But... I think perhaps the reality of that situation is what lends the weight and the maturity to the lyrics because they're actually kind of beautiful. They're just coming straight from the heart and they're just telling it straight like it is. They're not trying to make it any prettier or more clever than it needs to be. It's just kind of like, you know, feeling the pain and sitting Mm. in it. It's not them saying, I guess this is growing up. It's them actually growing up. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, oh, I, I, part of growing up is dealing with this shit, and this is the shit that makes you grow. Yeah. So about that, and but I think it's like bitterly ironic that you're writing a song talking about your previous drummer, and all the while you've got Travis Barker putting in so much fucking work oh, on man. his track. It's just like, yeah, obviously, oh. like he's objectively overrated, but you hear shit like this, and you're like, fuck, he's good. Oh, yeah. in this track, there's no way that he could be overrated. He's just, yeah. He's, He's perfectly just, rated. When yeah. it when it kicks into that half time, oh, oh man, it's so good. Good lord! Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Just mm. fucking beating that snare like it owes him money, man. Es schmeckt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so tight. One of the key uh, kind of complaints and one of the valid criticisms, I feel, of the of the 2010s uh, Blink output, so the reunion era records, is that they've really blended uh, vocally a lot, whereas back in the day, you'd have a Mark song, uh, you'd have a Tom song. Right. You know, one would kind of interject on the others occasionally, but for the most part, like, they were separate entities. And this was one of the first instances where they kind of blended a little bit. Right. And I think having... Having that Venn diagram cross over just a little mm. just makes this song extra, extra good. It's a Mark song. He's the, he's taking the lead vocal, but what Tom is doing to back it up is so good. Like that complimentary hook over the so sorry it's over thing yeah. is fantastic. Ugh. And then the little extra harmonies that he would throw in over uh, Mark's vocals uh, in the in the chorus bits... I feel it just works so, so well. Yeah. And it really showed like what the quote-unquote classic era of the band was capable of when they worked together. That was one of the problems with Neighbourhoods. They literally weren't working together. That whole album was recorded in separate studios to one another. One would lay down their parts and then the other would lay down their parts as opposed to back in the day when they were all together and they were all making it together. When you see them all just hanging out together and like being friends, like this was their second chance, you know, after losing Scott, this is their second chance to really ramp things up again. And they did, mm. you know, for five years there, they were the biggest band in the world. And they did it on the back of, to this day, the best stuff that they've ever put out. That run from uh, Enema of the State, Mark Tom and Travis show, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, up to the Untitled record. Like, this era, they absolutely crack it. I also think, like, this song works now in the current context of, like, emo coming back. Mm-hmm. Because emo, it's coming back. Um, <laughs> But you know, the family I mean? guy of genres. But it's like you know, people people are, are talking about and writing about and and you know revisiting all of this this emo era stuff at the moment. And like, I listen to this and I'm going like, man, like this is maybe a track that we need to we need to bring back because it fits in so so well. Like all the things that you want from that era of music or that genre of music are so present here. And like Blink One Eight Two always kind of like sideline emo band. Like they're not the main force of it. But people yeah. sometimes throw them in with that crowd. And I think with a song like this, they 100% deserve to be thrown in. Mm. Again, one of their most mature and I think one of their best songs. What undercuts it so, so, so poorly is the film clip where oh, yeah. they have three people with dwarfism recreating a bunch of moments from their older videos. And lol, it's funny because they are small. That's annoying. So they truly cannot all be zingers. <laughs> <laughs> I think they wanted to really just drive home we're still blink yeah. you know like we can we can do our serious songs but yeah we're still goofballs yeah and it sucks <laughs> yeah it yeah. like i'm just saying it is what it is yeah, exa- like yeah, you know exactly. like if i was called what they were like 22 or something when they made those when they made those videos like if i was that age at that point i was just like yeah fuck yeah that's brilliant absolutely we're doing that <laughs> I've 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 no better ideas. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Master stroke. First prize. <laughs> this is genius. <laughs> Hang on, Finally let me put this cube down. <laughs> great song though. Great. Great song. Song. Easily easily one of their best songs yeah. if not. Yeah, best. man, for sure. First time listen for me. Yeah, mine too. Cuz like again, I was only alongside Blink mm. um, throughout <laughs> the course such of my an life. Asshole. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just ignoring you until you, can, until you can fucking behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, it's wonderful, though. Right? Yeah, it's good. I found it. It's nice. It's oh, whatever. Imagine <laughs> if, this, if this is like your first Blink song you hear, you're like, man. I'm going to dive through their back catalog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and number 53, this is The Hippos with a song called Wasting My Life. Same. 
coming in at number 53 in the 2000 Hottest 100. That's a song called Wasting My Life. Oh, oh, Nathan, quick hippo fact. Uh, um, um, Pink Sweat. Huh? Pink Sweat? Their sweat is pink. Is that a Nicki Minaj album? <laughs> oh, oh, man, could be. No, they, they, they're... I got an ass like a hippopotamus. <laughs> <laughs> She does not deserve that stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm wearing my Cardi B shirt yeah. right now. I got to uh, roast Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy That's shit. That's a good fact. Mm. Sorry, what was the fact? Nicki Minaj. They, they, no, the oh. hippo's sweat is pink. Huh. That's cool. My hippo fact is that their closest living relative is the whale. Mm. That still does my head in, man. Yeah, right? Yeah. Also, they oh. fucking kill people. Yeah, yeah. very. They, they will body a cunt. Yeah, off, they, they, off. They, are yeah. Way, they are way more dangerous than a rhino way, way more dangerous than a rhino Well in terms of how many people they kill In terms of aggression In terms, in terms yeah. of their kill count yeah. They're, they're aggressive yeah. It's like yeah. that scene in um, fucking oh, Snow Day no, Yeah in Snow Day Which, which this is real soundtrack hours This yeah. is on the soundtrack for Just bring that one up now This is from the Snow, snow Day It sure Snow is. Day Snow you, Day soundtrack it's coming I don't back. know of this movie like oh, I've read about it. Yeah, I've read it. I've, I've read about it. It was it. it was just one of those like weekly move like yeah, family yeah. kids movies. It, I'm sure it's on fucking Disney Plus. Well, we should, <laughs> we should watch it. I what guess. were you saying Do about our Patreon episode? So, what movie were you talking about? Dude? Um, the other guys. Uh, oh. From 2010, uh, starring Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, where uh, Mark Wahlberg says, It wouldn't matter if we weren't even in the same animal food chain. I would go out of my way to hunt you. If yeah. I were a lion and you were a tuna, I would swim out to the ocean and eat you. That's and v- then, that dialogue is so funny. It, yeah, it's it's a very, very funny like scientific takedown of, of Mark Wahlberg's argument. Well, it talks about tuna using snorkels, so I don't know whether it's <laughs> scientific, per se. <laughs> But that's yeah. what you got going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not all of it. It's a comedy movie at the end of the day. But um, yeah. as was Snow Day, as was Snow Day, as was Snow uh, Day, yeah. which is a movie about uh, a Snow Day, about a Snow Day, and all the kids trying to like keep the school shut down or something. Yeah, but. Who plays the uh, radio DJ in this small town in the film Snow Day? But Case. one Iggy Pop. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, I did not know that. Age. I knew that Chevy Chase was in it. Yeah, he's in it. You you read like what the 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 synopsis is for the movie Snow Day? I mean, personally, I, which I presume is <laughs> is rated G or PG. Yeah, it's quite um. So, like, there's a snow day, and then the kids are trying to make sure that it stays closed by like stopping a mechanical snowplow driver, and then you got this guy. Who's trying to like woo this girl, which is presumably why I think this song is included mm-hmm. in the soundtrack mm-hmm. to to point towards that thread. And then at the same time, you have these two TV meteorologists who are facing off against one one of them is Chevy Chase, who are facing off to like get the primo coverage of today's events. That was a movie. That's like an man. episode of TV now. You could get away with that kind of shit, man. Those yeah. movies yeah. that just don't like, yeah, don't make those movies anymore. Thankfully, uh, also on the soundtrack, Smash Mouth, uh, Mighty Mighty oh. Boss Tones, uh, Sixpence None the Richer, okay. and this is my shit. So this is interesting. I want to know what love is. Yeah. Fuck no, yeah. wait. Sorry, waiting for a girl like you. Oh, true. The other foreigner song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very interesting that they put both the Boss Tones and. Tapping into that third wave scar and Smash Mouth because like I immediately listen to this and I go like I know who you're touring with yeah and it's yeah. those two bands I know yeah. who I'm coming late for <laughs> yeah. oh brutal like what do we know about this band uh, they are a third wave scar band from California uh, they put out three <laughs> albums they did and there were more scary previous to this this was like when they discovered synthesizers because mm. everyone um, was doing it everyone was finding synthesizers this was really their around. only single. Uh, obviously launching off the, the catapult success of um, Snow Day. Snow Day. Um, yeah, this uh, is not good, man. It's not this very is... good. I think the music's not the worst part. No, the, no, the lyrics are the worst mm. part, but the music's still crap. Yeah. 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 It's like the, r- the music is just kind of like subpar Smash Mouth. Yo, it's just so soundtrack to a kid's film hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, just, it just is. Don't get me wrong. It's silly I- and catchy. <laughs> seven to eight-year-olds, just within that window, seven to eight-year-olds need favourite bands too, so I'm not like... Hippos. Seven to eight-year-olds going to love a band named the Hippos, right? Well, this is the whole thing. It's just like... Oh, but in the, it's are par- they a kid's to band? To paraphrase Mitch Hedberg, if it, all music is kids' music if the kid can hear. <laughs> so just listen to Nick Cave, you fucking babies. <laughs> Get some Steve Reich into you. Yeah. <laughs> Neutral oh. Milk Hotel. The conceit of the song being like... This girl doesn't like me. I mean, like... Yeah. Oh, my God. And she's so out of my league, but I need to woo her, so I'm wasting my life. There's something about the way she, like, doesn't look at me. Like, fuck off, dude. Just, like... Grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Log off. Mm. Log off from romance. Mm. 
This does implement uh, one of my favourite time signatures, which is six four mm. in the uh, in the chorus. Oh, um, you love to count it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kind chorus of is kind of catchy when it kicks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of kind of like cruel to be kind and like uh, like a lot of pop like power pop kind of all stuff. star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't get enough of you, baby. Like yeah. their, their cover of uh, Q and the Mysterians, can't get enough of you, baby. That what's, sort of stuff. What's the other one that they did? The Smash Mouths. Uh, I'm a believer. No, no, not it was a Walking pre- on the Sun. That's the one. It's like yeah. we've talked about at length how poorly uh, songs about unrequited love from a male perspective have dated mm. that they do not look good yeah. in uh, 2020's light. And this is dweeby as a But this is to like yeah. intentionally dweeby, obnoxious, unrequited. Like, and why would like, you write it? Yeah. Because mm. why would you do that? Because you're an obnoxious. To get on a dweeb. kid's soundtrack, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Don't teach the kids because they think it's funny. And yeah. 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 Whatever. Mm. Mercifully, this is the only time we'll talk about the hippos. We might talk about hippos later. I dare, I dare yeah. say we will. <laughs> yeah. What is, They're what, fun. What yeah. is Chevy short for? Chevenold. Yeah, I Chevy. Chevwood. <laughs> Chevwood. Yeah. Cornelius Crane Chase. I thought it was right. Cornelius Cream. Yeah, he's a dickhead. Yeah, he's a cool fucking name, though. Yeah. Cornelius. Love Cornelius. Would you make Shouts that trade? What, to be. Have a to be real a dick- cool name, but you're a dickhead. <laughs> I think I'm Would you rather? <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway there. I'm, I'm not fully of the way there. Where's I'm my like, cool name? Yeah. <laughs> the but world yeah. doesn't need another Smash Mouth. No. We've already got one. Hey, now. That'll do. Catch your hippos. <laughs> <laughs> Number 52, it is 28 days with Sucker. Frankston, Victoria. Go Dolphins! You! <laughs> Coming in at number 52 yes. in the 2000 Hottest 100. That is the song Sucker. It That's comes... the AFL team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it comes from their second EP. Here we go. I looked it up. Because <laughs> I wanted to just do that. Because you knew I was going to bring up Franger. I knew someone was going to bring up Frankston. I'd get an opportunity to, to go something. I might make it a thing. I might just every time... So What's brought- the local sporting team of every band we talk about? Yeah. Yep. Cool. I'm here for that. Uh, the, the, I, you know, I didn't do it for anyone else in this episode. Well, it starts now. I have to get on the way. It has to start sometime. <laughs> Quick dolphin fact. <laughs> um, they have sex for pleasure. They root for a fun time. Come on, true. dolphins. Mm. Um... <laughs> also, they can like rescue. They've rescued people as well. Yeah, it's a thing. They've rescued people. Yeah. And there's that myth that went around that they they just love fighting sharks and they just live for it. Do they? <laughs> they just it's live a myth. for it. I think they do fight sharks, but I don't think they live huh? for you it. Come to my house, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Punching yes. them in the nose. Yeah. This mm. is from, as you said, David, their second EP. Here we go. It's also on their second record, Up Style Down. Yeah, yeah. This kind of absolutely kind of exemplifies. 28 Days approach, right? Like punk rock riffs with like new metal white boy rapping, scritchy scratchy elements. <laughs> Look, I don't think I have the fucking energy in me to really hate this. It's just a bummer, man. Like, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like all the ideas aren't terrible. There's some nice riffs going on in there. And I guess his flow isn't the worst flow I've ever heard. But. It's aged like fucking vinegar, man. Like, 
But does vinegar have a long shelf life I think or a short know, shelf life? This is long. Oh, well, but it's aged like milk, which I know mm, ages quick. Good one. That, yeah. Yeah. Milk and vinegar. The big two, baby. <laughs> um, I call it a milky V. No! Um, no! <laughs> no! <laughs> um, Absolutely not. Abs- that's just curdled. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> just that's curdled milk, Andrew. Maybe you put some balsam V. With your milk. It's still going to curdle, dude. If you drink it really quickly. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> Will it still curdle if it's like like a different milk? Like almond milk or something? Mm. Shall we get our resident scientist, Paul Dempsey, to answer this question? Mm, let us know, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> How much milk should you consume with your balsamic vinegar for breakfast? Probably not much. <laughs> not much. Okay, but yeah. some. Yeah. Thanks, so just add a little. So a better way to do it, I guess, is just to add your milk to your bottle of balsam that you drink in the morning on your way to... add it to taste. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> ingre- ingredients for a milky balsam V, balsamic vinegar, milk to taste. Yeah, None. this song's not great, though. No, it's very, very, very much of its time. It's so fucking of its time, What was man. the name of those jeans you were talking about Everlast Jankos. wearing? This is sentient Jenkos. Yeah. <laughs> this is suburban Australian Limp Bizkit. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the it's, one it's, note it's I have. It's a bit less, like, aggressive because it's a bit yeah, more melodic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the Australian element to it. Instead of being that, that, metal, that metal side of things, which doesn't really kind of belong quite as much in the Australian landscape at this time, especially just in terms of just like general radio play. I reckon so they're playing with like a, a like resurgence. I reckon. Who? 28 Days. Yeah. I reckon coming people. Back. I, well, I, I guess I'm saying they're coming back, but I, I, I could see, I could see like Australian, like internet culture mm. um, being like, we're heaps, like we're really into 28 Days again. Well, maybe we're ushering in that era right now. Oh no. Maybe. Maybe I think the thing that stuck out the most for me is so there's a song by The Drugs called. I was going to say The Drugs! <laughs> Damn it, man, it's my fucking notes. As there's well. a song called um, Metal vs. Hip Hop. Metal vs. Hip Hop, which is just about new metal. And I'm not familiar with this song. I'm very familiar with The Drugs song from listening to that. And I was just like, oh my God, I, I did not realize how specific and, and pitch perfect uh, the references in the music in that drug song were to songs like this. Stop! There's, okay. a, there's a lot of precision going on. Metal doesn't belong in hip-hop. Yeah. There's a lot of fine riffage going on. I think yeah. the, the band itself are in pretty good form and the energy is just undeniable about the whole thing. Fuck me, there are some bizarre lyrics. Truly. Yeah. Even at the beginning, like the Here We Go Fools... And it's on once again for young and old. Well, you've already got me on the wrong fucking page. Yeah. Calling me a fool. Calling me a fool. I'm the, I'm the listener, please, Mister Days. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, February. some decorum, please. <laughs> like I said before, you whore, we got the drop on you. You're through, so don't try and copy the style of those you chose to propose because you're sloppy. There's a noise at the front door, and last week you sounded just like Faith No More. Is it weird for, for 28 days to Can rag I... on people for imitating other bands? But like... also, if you sound like if you say you sound like Faith No More, that's generally considered a compliment. Faith No More are a relatively beloved band. <laughs> but I think it's like the suckers are the ones who sound like Faith No More. This song is about the suckers, you see. Right. Well, right. it sounds like he's addressing me, and it sounds a bit aggressive for my taste. I don't like being insulted like that. Also, whorephobic language. Grow up. Yeah, on the wrong side of history, there, Mister Days. <laughs> I like I like this. I'm just bringing lyrics, and then you're just kind of like having, you feeling having, insulted. <laughs> no, you're just having a little take. Yeah. Hmm, no, just like on each individual like, line. Well, <laughs> shit. Let uh, now you've got a new style. Let me tell you right now, you're like a senile pedophile. Ooh, see, because you want to rape the kids, but they won't pay you shit. What? Because you cut your hair when it was time to leave. Well, see, that one started okay because he said, now you've got a new style. I'm like, oh, maybe now he's going to reapproach how he's dealing with me and be like, look, I did like your old stuff. But you got a new style and I'm really happy with you. But then he goes some of this... This pedophile a, a stuff. Comparison I won't dare to even mention. It's, I'm, I'm above it. That's the lyrics that I found for it. And like... <laughs> what, in it's, my ear? It's mind-boggling. And it does, it does match, like, listening to the song that that's what the lyrics would be. Again, though, it feels weird that the song is ragging on other bands for, like, copying styles and following trends when they're just being a Frankston... Like, yeah. I've checked several other different lyric sites and... Yep. Which which one are you on right now? AZ Lyrics. Looks like A to Z. That's a, yeah. you know, it's a solid one. Genius. Uh, Genius said the same thing. Metro Lyrics, also good. <laughs> 
I, I think that he has some anger issues that he needs to work through. <laughs> I don't think he's truly upset with me as a person. I think he's just, just dealing with his, his own issues. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You're, what is he, you're a pedophile, but they don't pay you for it or something? Because you cut know, your man. hair? I don't know what's going yeah. on. There's, there's <laughs> too many ideas in that verse, Mr. Yeah. Days. Like, it's all well and good to have a lot of ideas, but sometimes less is more. Maybe just try Maybe start out with two days. <laughs> and see where you go from there. See how you feel. Because you started at 28 and you're clearly not fucking ready for a whole month. <laughs> Do a weekend. See if you can get something down then. And then, yeah. Uh, maybe work up to a week, a fortnight. Yeah. Then, <laughs> who knows? Maybe someday you'll even get to 29 days. It was elite It'll years. be elite. Yeah. So they got the name from how long it takes to complete rehab, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Oh, are they? <laughs> so are, just like, try it in a weekend. Try, try, if you can't get clean in a weekend... <laughs> no, because there was that movie 28 Days that came out with Sandra Bullock, and that's about her that completing that's re- about as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Fighting zombies. I thought. Yeah. That's- <laughs> no, that's 28 Days oh, no. Later. She, she thought about- those first 28 Days were rough. Well, the next ones, yeah, <laughs> filled with zombies. Oh man, there's too much energy, and the and the riffs are kind of too <laughs> settle down. <laughs> no, and the riffs are kind of too fun to like for me to out and out like slam it. slam yeah. dunk it. <laughs> And I can get how people would rally behind it. What song have you slam dunked, Adam? <laughs> that you too want. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that checks out. And I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite ready for that here. But there is a part of me that could easily fall into that zone. And there's also a part of me that could just like turn my brain off and just go like, yeah, it's fucking sick though. So I don't know. I think I'm like Andrew. I don't have the don't have the energy. Yeah, <laughs> but it is crap. Yeah, but it's it's contextually crap. It could you know, be, it, right? yeah, yeah. And, it, and it could be crap, and it could rule. Like and both if of those you things were, could if happen. If you were the right age yeah. when this song came out, you would have nostalgia goggles. Absolutely, for it. absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I understand being backwater, fucking outer city trash. I understand getting really into fucking you know rap and hip hop and rock and all that sort of shit, and being like, yeah, man, fuck yeah, man, we're gonna do this shit, man. It's gonna be sick. We'll fucking put it over our skateboarding videos. It's going to be so sick, dude. Yeah. But like, yeah, you can't come to this sort of shit now and be like, well, yeah, actually, you know, it's not very appropriate to be talking like that. You know, it's just <laughs> like, yeah, of course not. You think was we- it, I mean, like in, in 2000, was it okay to be calling someone a senile pedophile? <laughs> it was it was edgy and it was funny and it was cool, it's man. Pretty, yeah, I guess yeah. so. I'm just taken aback by the fact that it's there. That's all. Yeah. It's, like, Whoa. it's hectic. Hey, you don't just, even yeah, realize it's, it's when you're listening to it's it. Just, it's just hectic. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Look. I think I think it both sucks and rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say what they do here, they do way better uh, in later tracks that we're going to be talking about. Mm. It's not quite done yet. Try a month with 31 days. There we go. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe not it's enough. Maybe, maybe it needs more days. Yeah, I haven't had this whole thing backwards. Obviously. Pull up that chart. At number 51, this is The Offspring with original Frankster. Just call it early. Fuck off. Coming in at number 51 in the 2000 Hottest 100, that is the song Original Prankster. It comes from their album Conspiracy of One, and it features a dear close personal friend of Mr. Adam Bunches, because the man saying Original Prankster and Original Yeah in the song, in the chorus, is the Wu-Tang Clan's own... Red man. Well, he's not technically Wu Tang. He's Wu Tang affiliated. <laughs> the distancing. He's friends of the Wu Tang. Whatever. He worked man. with Method Man quite a lot. Yes, and yeah. still does. Yeah. And the offspring in this song. Yeah. yeah. The big three. <laughs> they paid him to literally say three words. That is just mind boggling. They could have gotten <laughs> anyone, and they got Red Do Man. Do you think they could have gotten anyone with this song? Maybe they shot higher and ended up with They Red could Man. have gotten one of the non-singing members of the offspring to just say it. But instead they just got in Red Man. 
And I'm not saying that's like great or not great. Maybe I love that. It's just a thing that happened. But it's worth just pointing out. They brought him into the studio. He got up that morning. He made room. He made time. This rapper, this well-regarded rapper at the height of his career, affiliated with the Woo nonetheless, Mm. to say original prankster, original yeah. Woo crew? Can you say? Or no, is... you don't. They're a clan, Nathan. No, well, I'm saying... an idiot of yourself. Is, is the wider group the crew? No. No? Okay. Okay, so this comes at a point uh, post, obviously, Americana, which redefined what The Offspring was. Pre, they were an up-and-coming pop-punk band that had a, a goofy element to what they were doing, but also some, like dark and serious songs like Gone Away and and Jennifer Lost the War and which, you know, still played into the pop punk sound. But uh, yeah, there was an element of sincerity uh, to what they were doing as well. Whereas the most popular songs from Americana were a song about a honky trying to impress people and a song that ripped off Obla D, Obla Da by the Beatles. So you can tell... When it came to following up that album, they were just like, oh, you want more of that? Oh, we'll give you more of that. And they leaned all the way in for Conspiracy of One, particularly on this track. It incorporates elements of Lowrider by Low, which you will know as the song. Mostly the percussive elements and, yeah, kind of like the driving rhythms of that. It also references the long-standing Rob Schneider in-joke for Adam Sandler movies where a non-sequitur character will turn up at one point and say, you can do it! First in The Waterboy, Waterboy. two years previously. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, And then would come up in several movies, uh, including The Animal, uh, which was a Rob Schneider starring movie. Uh, also, he said it in his own movie? No, no, no. Adam Sandler did it uh, as a return of the favor. So there was funny. a crowd shot and Adam Sandler turned up and went, you can do it. This isn't a sample though, right? This is just someone in the band doing it? I believe it is. It sounds yeah. like Dexter. I loved this as a kid because of course I did. It's a goofy, silly song that says Hoochie Mamas uh, and says you can do it like in the movie. It's big and dumb and catchy. In that respect, it succeeds on all fronts. But this is not a song I will ever go back to out of the context of like revisiting Conspiracy of One for nostalgia purposes. But like if it comes on in a certain context, it's not a song I'll turn off. Like I, I won't be like, oh, fuck, get this away from me because like I still have that idea in my head of like an 11 year old me just goofing off and laughing to this song and shit. Coming to it now as, you know, like a 29 year old, it's just like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, fine. The blow definitely got softened for me, considering how much this was a big part of my childhood. So Yeah, I loved it yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely with you, David. Um, I've said before, the Offspring were one of the earliest bands I ever truly loved. That love is absolutely colored by nostalgia kind of thing. As you said, this is like part two of their trend where every album, they have one song that is a dorky, goofy, over-the-top pop-punk song. That's, all, that's, that's the lead single and generally doesn't reflect the overall sound of the fucking record. They've, they've been doing it since um, Americana, like you said, with Pretty Fly. Yeah. Um, and they continue it on even today. They always, they're still doing this. They always have like the one, like they have that, that terrible one from a couple of years ago, that bumping in my truck one. Oh, yeah, that was oh, so yeah. bad. Truly, oh, we've, we've mentioned we've the, mentioned yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Truly you, one of their worst songs. You've got to kind of pay it though, right? Like That's their move. Because like, it's just like, cool, we, we're, we're going to do the thing we want to do and we're going to write one song and album that might make it big yeah. because it has the most sort of crossover potential and yeah. whatever, you know? I can understand choosing catchiness. I can understand choosing that life. But why you gotta be so goddamn obnoxious in at the same time, because man? It clearly fucking works, yeah. man. They, they have a formula, and it clearly fucking works. Like this was still popular enough to get make it in a fifty one across one hundred and be gangbusters, and like it sell ridiculous numbers. So in alternative and popular culture, it was still being fucking big. This is clearly 
their fucking shtick and it works. Like I guess I guess you play yourself by choosing to be offended by the obnoxiousness of it. I guess so. Because you know um, what I mean? Like because yeah. if you just say like, yeah, it's obnoxious and you just lean into it and you be obnoxious with the song, yeah. you yeah. laugh with it. No harm, no foul. But oh my god! Like even the way that the he's just listening back to it, then the way that the guitar riff kind of teases at the beginning, and then mm. this like the dorky ass percussion, <laughs> the like all, there's all these little decisions that are just there to get seemingly specifically get under my skin, targetedly. Yeah, yeah. specifically you. That's right. <laughs> like they yeah. they knew like you would discover this song and you would you would just make your skin crawl. But I, at the same time, like. They mentioned a justice of the Supreme Court in the lyrics, <laughs> Janet Reno. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the offspring is still smart, clever. What if they updated it with a Ruth Bader Ginsburg reference? <laughs> so conspiracy... They say style and aplomb. Style like, and aplomb, yeah. It's just it's a like, good line. I'd, I'd never heard aplomb before. That <laughs> definitely introduced me to that word, so thanks, offspring. They're just they're smart guys that are just choosing to, to lean into obnoxiousness in the furthest possible instance. Oh. Dexter's undeniably smart. He has a PhD. Yeah. Like, in a, fucking, like, biology or in something. In You Can Do It. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> in him being able to do it. I loved it so much as a kid that it's hard for me to say it's crap because I, I, I loved it so... It gave me so much joy as you a 12-year-old. You can love something and still acknowledge that it's crap. Yeah, mm. and it probably is. Yeah, it is. It we gave, do that all the time. I love the video so much as a kid, too. Same. Because all the pranks in it. You're yeah. like, oh, my God, so yeah. funny. But Not look, funny. let's describe these four pranks that he pulls. The first one... <laughs> He puts shit on a sandwich and his dad eats it. Second one, he uses a Bunsen burner to burn the face of a teacher who's being a pervert to a student and a high school student, so presumably an underage girl. <laughs> After that, he takes a fo- he talks to these two fellow students who are actually the principal's office, and then they go in there and then he takes a photo of them like and they're topless and they like the teacher's in a compromising position. And the last one, he shuts down the security grid to the whole city. Two of those are objectively, it's absolutely okay to burn the face of someone being a pervert on a young girl. Like, that's not a prank. That's a, that's a just punishment. And <laughs> that's, a, that's take, a Batman move. Yeah. That's being then, a vigilante. Yeah. And then taking a photo of a principal committing fucking sexual assault on two underage girls, again, is not a prank. It's justice. Yeah. And, but he so, set that up, though, to get rid of the principal. Well, but, look, I know entrapment laws are, are what they are. And like it's like a cop legally can't be like, hey man, I've got I've got like a kilo of cocaine, I'll give it to you for a dollar fifty. And they like, aha, you now you bought drugs, now I'm arresting you. Cops can't do that. But like the idea of like if you're so easily compromised that all it takes is two teenage girls in your office taking their tops off for you to like be like fucking Limburger from the Black and Mice from Mars and be all like <laughs> arms around them all molesty kind of thing. If that's all it takes, then you deserve to be punished for that as well. Like if he asked, is this a prank? Legally, they had to tell they him. They had to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> so again, so two of them are fine. And shutting down the power to the city, it depends how much, it depends how like jokerized you are, but it could be seen as very <laughs> cool. Um, the only one that's an actual jokerized. prank. Yeah, the oh only one that's God. an actual prank is the shit sandwich, which... Admittedly, that would bum me out if my son gave fed yeah. me poops. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah. about the truly bonkers marketing idea that came along before Conspiracy of One? No. And specifically in relation to this track. Oh, yeah. I remember this. All right. This track was distributed for free as a MP3 on their website. Remember MP3s? People are starting to hear about this internet thing. We've got, we got a Napster going on at the moment. Like we're, we're starting to get on board with the digital distribution of music. Mm. But there was a competition held where $1 million was randomly awarded to someone who downloaded the song. That is insane. That's insanity. That's such a huge prize for just downloading a song for free, which is already like pretty, easy pretty good. <laughs> You're distributing your obnoxious material virally in the best <laughs> of ways. Yeah. Like, no wonder this song was kind of everywhere. Now, the band actually... Um, planned to make the whole album free as a download as well, but they couldn't do it because of contractual obligations. But man, they would have beaten so many other bands that were applauded for that same move. Could you imagine mm, if... Many years like, after. Yeah, could you imagine if, quote-unquote, doing an In Rainbows was a, doing a conspiracy of one? Yes. <laughs> it could almost have been, right? Yeah, man. Absolutely Amazing. bizarre. Game changes. Conspiracy of one is probably my most listened to Offspring album because it's the one I got into the Offspring yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I yeah. definitely skip this song every time. Yeah. yeah. There's some great tracks on that There's record. There's some fucking killer really, tracks really on good. it, man. man. Even, even in terms of singles, Want You Bad, great song. Fucking oh, yeah. man. Swap that out for this. Yeah. You got yourself a good countdown. Mm. Yeah, fucking A. 
But I know I can see why people like with the nostalgia and with the fact that it is just like there are very few songs that quite embody this level of obnoxiousness. Yeah. And there's something about that. Like, again, if you choose to align yourself with it, I can see how you can have an absolute ball of a time. But God, I don't know whether I have that choice in me when it comes to listening to this track. (laughs) Also, the idea of someone being rich because they won a million dollars for downloading this song is just quintessential America. Like, that's what America is. Yeah. Yeah. With the hindsight of time and and the benefit of not having to listen to this song, I can kind of pay them for being like, you know what, we're going to do a stupid song and get a lot of money and the rest of the album is going to be good stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I don't like my work. (laughs) (laughs) That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands and officially halfway... Finally, through season motherfucking eight and the 2000 hottest 100. Holy shit, people. The Bon Jovi point has arrived. Thank you for listening. Fuck, we love you and we appreciate you and we promise not to pull any epic pranks on you this time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The clown prince of prank. (laughs) The jester. (laughs) Batman's all like, damn it, jester. Before we get out of here, we're picking our favourites and our least favourites and continuing the ever-continuing story of carry over champ and carry over chump. My ch- my uh, new champ, new champ, best song of the week has you. to be R.E.M. The Great Beyond. And least favourite, I am going to give it to Sucker by 28 Days, even though, yeah, like, I get that it's of its time and etc. But yeah, just not for me. But yeah, not my new champ. My favourite is also um, R.E.M., The uh, the Great Beyond. Terrific, terrific tune by a terrific band. Uh, My champ, however, does remain Fiona Apple. My least favourite is 28 Days Later's Sucker as well, David, but it's it's nowhere near my new chump of um, the fucking Black Jesus song. (laughs) Black Jesus! Uh, my favourite is their REM as well, but I'll hold on to Fiona Apple. There's three stinkers here, so this is, like, (laughs) not happened for a little while. Um... I think I want to say my least favourite is The Hippos, mm. um, but I will keep uh, MXPX as my chump. Yeah, I'm just upset this happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Great Beyond is a amazing, amazing song. Easy favourite. Uh, my least favourite is going to be Original Prankster. Everlast is remaining, but I, I'm very tempted to make R.E.M. champ because I think it's a really wonderful song, but I think I'm going to retain something for Kate just yep. for a little while longer. Yeah, good nice. call, good call. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, etc. Get in touch if you are feeling the vibes, if you have any thoughts, corrections, uh, anything like that. Would absolutely love to hear from you. Please, please keep in touch. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Also, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Adam Buncher. Also, also, yeah. My name is David James Young. Everything is original. Yeah. yeah.